Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation continuing podcast series. We're coming to you today thanks to generous support from individuals, donors, and our corporate partners, including Celgene. My name is Tricia, and today we're chatting with Dr. Mikhail Kogan, MD. Dr. Kogan currently serves as medical director of the DWS Center for Integrative Medicine and associate director of the Geriatrics Fellowship Program. He is the founder and director of the George Washington University Integrative Geriatrics Fellowship Track and the director of the Integrative Medicine Track Program at the George Washington University School of Medicine, as well as serving as part-time faculty member of the George Washington Institute for Spirituality and Health and the GW Center for Aging, Health, and Humanities. Welcome, Dr. Kogan. Thank you. I know you are a medical doctor, but I'm curious about your background as to all these other parts that you are looking at when it comes to treating the whole patient. When were you exposed to complementary treatments, and why did you explore other therapies? Well, I think um, back in medical school, I had several mentors who were very instrumental. And um, since I knew early that I'm going to go in some kind of a chronic care field, whether it's a primary care like internal medicine or some subspecialty like geriatrics, uh, and it became very clear that our current tools um, really unable to effectively reverse or manage chronic medical problems. So I started looking at some other alternatives and quite early, um, you know, this is, we're talking 20 years ago. And so quite early, I got closely linked with leaders at that time of the field, people like Andrew Weil, for example, and started learning deeper and deeper, not only uh, whole health approaches, but also specific modalities that can be effective, things like acupuncture, uh, yoga, Reiki, massage, and things like that. And so I think it's just my uh, view of how to take care of patients was a little different from the start. And then later, when I realized I want to stay in academia, uh, I think I turned into looking for a place where I could kind of combine uh, my interest for whole health person and also teaching and research. So um, kind of been a natural evolution over the decades of my work. Could you uh, explain in, in short sentences and just quickly what whole health medicine is? Yeah, I, I think, and it's okay if I, I guess if I sound a little controversial, but, you know, the current model of diagnosis and treatment is, is clearly needing a huge challenges. Diagnosis quite often is a superficial way of looking at the problem. Uh, let me give an example. Uh, for any specific cancer, uh, let's take a chronic lymphocytic leukemia, for example. Um, you know, you could have 10 or more possible drivers. So this person can have a toxicity. They can have a chronic mercury exposure. You know, they may have some specific nutritional deficiency. And in itself, each driver may not be enough to cause the problem, but you combine them together and you have a condition. You have a diagnosis. But if we only look at the diagnosis and we never actually look underneath it, we're never actually truly going to take care of whole person. So the whole person care is really, instead of trying to say, look, you have a problem, let's get rid of it, is saying, well, wait a second, why is this, this person has a problem? Can we identify 
reasons why this person got the condition in the first place and then address them. And that may sound very non-medical because, you know, you may not necessarily with that approach apply any medical treatments. Let me give an example. If somebody's mitochondria is not working very well, one of the very first steps we do is gradual increase in exercise tolerance because that's one of the most effective ways in optimizing mitochondrial function. You know, and so we very quickly get into a territory that does not have much of medical language, and yet we know that that contributes to someone's health, and that's why we kind of call it a whole health person, because you don't look at one isolated compartment, you look at everything. So my favorite expression, whoever you treat, if you treat a chronic problem, you must treat, you know, the whole forest. If you only concentrate on the trees, your effectiveness is never going to be as good as it could be. Interesting. Interesting. So, of course, you know, AAMDSIF um, looks in marrow failure diseases. So when a person has a diagnosis of aplastic anemia, MDS or myelodysplastic syndromes, or PNH, paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria, they are often confused and scared. So they turn to the Internet for research and they find all sorts of non-medical suggestions or non-traditional medical suggestions for treating their diseases. Are the therapies that you use a substitution for medical treatments or an additional assistance to medical treatments? Right. Right. That's a great question. Let's let's do some clarification because I think there's tons of confusion. So you you used initially word CAM or complementary alternative medicine. And that's a, you know, we want to see this wording go away. And the reason is it's very dividing. Like, complementary is maybe a good word, but alternative it is not. So we never use anything alternative in a way. I mean, we always try to combine our toolbox with our standard approaches. You know, and, and, and the logic here is very simple. You don't want to go around searching the world for a possible cure when you have absolutely no evidence that it's ever going to work. So you, you really have to stick with what you understand and know and then if you feel like on top of that you want to add conditions, maybe uh, approaches, maybe not very evident, but they feel right with your philosophical approach or you feel that they're going to strengthen some component of your functioning, I think that's quite reasonable. So that's what we call an integrative medicine. And, you know, integrative medicine model by default is really a whole, whole health person model. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the standard oncologic approach cannot be whole person approach if that oncology office adds things that are actually do address the terrain or those those the whole person the drivers that are causing the potential illness you know the stress is a huge one everybody knows that you know stress can contribute to myriads of conditions so i think you know while we don't necessarily have a clear answer how do you address this because there's not enough specific clinical trials, but you can say, well, this makes sense for me to engage in some stress reduction program, you know, as part of my treatment. And, and I do know that MD Anderson has a number of very large NIH trials, including a $5 million trial on yoga and cancer. So I think we're going to have answers in, in time to come. That seems to be, uh, to me, a very good kind of way of uh, practicing the integrative medicine. Interesting. So um, I understand you're looking at the whole person and uh-huh. the treatments for bone marrow failure diseases, 
um, that are, are the medical and prescribed um, treatments using oral or intravenous medications often have debilitating side effects. Are the things that you're talking about, the integrative medicine techniques, do they help with things like nausea, brain fog, the pain or the fatigue? Yeah, well, I mean, that's usually most of the patients who come to see us, you know, they come for two things. So they come to ask questions whether or not a specific modality or specific approach can can help them modify their disease. And, you know, and that's where the evidence is, you know, I would say very little lacking. But when they, if they're coming in and they're saying, look, I, you know, I have a, I'm treated, being treated with radiation or chemotherapy and I have this list of side effects, that's, I think, where the field excels. And, and you know, we do know that, say, for fatigue or for um, severe nausea, the approaches are very limited within the oncology. And that's why I think the team approach becomes really the kind of a gold standard where either you have a palliative care doctor or maybe even some integrative providers. And give an example, not every nausea is directly linked to just the kind of central effect of chemotherapy. You know, you could have muscular components that's going to be best relieved with manual medicine or massage or acupuncture, or you can have some other components that really, you know, totally unable to be touched by any existing medications. So, you know, I think that's a very good example of why we need a kind of a team approach where one part of the team has a good understanding of non-standard treatments of, of symptoms that are very difficult to manage in a standard oncology practice. Well, that sounds that sounds really intriguing. If I'm a patient in a rural setting or uh, not near a, an, an integrative medicine location or people have not even thought of doing any of these uh, treatments, as you mentioned, the, the massage or the, or the acupuncture and the like, what would you recommend to these patients that they pursue? Yeah, you'd be shocked that there's more acupuncturists and massage therapists than oncologists by a factor of 100. So in every rural area, there's an acupuncturist and massage therapist. I mean, there may be some areas that are very, um, you know, isolated. But in reality, the acupuncture is now, since it's covered by almost every single insurance in the country, and some states have universal coverage. So North Carolina, for example, six months ago passed universal law that requires Medicaid to cover massage and acupuncture for chronic pain, nausea, and other cancer-related conditions and chronic pain. So we have a universal explosion of these services. In lots of states, uh, Medicare now covers some of them. It's really a matter of identifying a champion in the community who will be able to speak up to these issues and kind of dispel the myths. And, you know, quite often oncologists um, would love to use those services, but they just don't have a working procedures, meaning, you know, the, the acupuncturists may have developed a billing over the years, but they may not necessarily work closely with oncology office to teach them how they would do the billing and how to help for the good referral. So I think the the next step in evolution of working together is really just kind of saying, okay, well, who is in my area I can collaborate with? How can I form the team? And, you know, I strongly encourage all of my cancer patients, even those that come from afar, to say, well, okay, what is my team? 
okay, I have an oncologist, I have my primary care doctor, you know, I have a physical therapist. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty clear, that's pretty common. But then they say, well, look, now I have these problems. Well, who's going to manage them? Well, let's say my primary care doctor says, well, you know, we can try medications, but I don't want to try medication. Let's say I want to try acupuncture. Now, how do I find acupuncturist? Now, there are different ways of doing it. You can literally call your licensing agency in the state, since acupuncture is licensed in every state, and, and ask Department of Health, give me the list of your licensed acupuncturist in the state, and then do it that way. That's very laborious. You can also contact acupuncture society. You can contact other societies that train um, and certify providers in more of an oncologist-specific treatment. So there's whole list of those. Looking at, at people who are searching on the Internet and they're coming across alternative treatments on their own um, mm-hmm. uh, rather than integrative treatments, they're finding other things. And I know they come up with uh, herbal preparations and recommendations from all sorts of people. I'm sure that some of these should be avoided by marrow failure patients. Is there something on the label that tells you what you should not take? Or is there a guideline to know what you should not be doing while you're in treatment? Yeah, you know, this is probably the hardest question to answer. There's absolutely nothing on the label that can assist the patients. You know, most of the labels, um, the best the product will have a GMP label, a good manufacturing practice, which frankly doesn't mean that the product is what it's supposed to be written on the label doing. It may be containing what it says, but it's not really going to help the patient. And there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of kind of hype and craze out there on the internet. So, I guess my best answer here is, unfortunately, typical patients really are unable to figure it out and shouldn't really be doing it on their own. They really need to identify a trusted provider and work with that person because, you know, it, it, it's, it takes a lot of training um, to learn this. So we, we basically, we have this kind of a motto in, um, you know, in, in our practice the reality is almost all the products out there are not necessarily created to help the patient. They're created to get sold. And the best example is the CBD craze, which has absolutely zero evidence of effectiveness of cancer outside of some petri dishes studies and, and maybe even small animals. But beyond that, there's really no clinical trial supporting CBD use as a disease-modifying, cancer-modifying treatment. And yet, you know, every day we're bombarded by emails of the patients with someone's story saying, yeah, I cured my cancer with CBD oil, you know, and, and we sort of like have to keep repeating ourselves that, no, well, you know, you really don't know one one such a story could mean all kinds of things. You have no idea what the, the interests of a patient, there could be huge conflict of interest. They may be selling the product and, and making this story up. So, you know, the reality is so murky and so inconsistent that we, we try to steer all our, all our patients clear out of that. And, and you know, what's really sad is um, it's exceedingly difficult to even figure out the quality of the source nowadays. I mean, there's so much on the Facebook that appears like a trusted source, just if you dig a little deeper to realize it's a purely commercially created entity to sell something. So do you, do you recommend that if someone is interested and want in something they read from the Internet, that they should consult with their 
health their entire healthcare team before they start taking or or participating in these suggested remedies? Well, ideally, they would consult before they go on the internet because you know we can actually give them very clear direction on how to look for the information on their own. What are the trusted sources? You know, how do you research specific topic, kind of avoiding the pitfalls of, of reading only unevidenced poor quality websites? Um, you know, and because and, and, by the time patients often come to us and they've read all kinds of stuff on the Internet, they're, um, they're really biased heavily. You know, they, they may not even hear what we have to say because, you know, emotions take hold of people and they're reading some amazing cure stories and kind of think that they're going to be one of those stories, of course. And, you know, it, it, and as you can imagine, there's also a lot of um, emotions involved, not just from the patient, but from the entire family and caregivers and friends. And so, you know, this information coming to the patients, not only from them and their loved ones, but from all kinds of angles, everybody who hears about their diagnosis starts sending them, oh, look this up, or look that up. And next thing you know, it's quite overwhelming quickly. Thank you. I have, I have one final question for you. What mm-hmm. is the message, Dr. Kogan, that you would like to leave with patients? Um, I think the message, uh, it'll be probably more than one. I think one is definitely form the team that harmoniously works with each other and that you're comfortable with. Um, and it's always critical on that team. You have types of people who can completely support you. You know, if that's a body worker or, you know, acupuncturist or whoever it is, if you feel that they're an important part of your team, don't, don't hesitate to communicate that clearly with your oncology team. I think nowadays, most of the time it's very well received. I think the second message is, um, take care of your terrain. I think that's what I would say. It, 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 when I said don't forget about the whole forest behind the trees, I meant it. You know, make sure that whatever you do um, treatment-wise, that your whole body is supported. And I think that's where I would say that the current standard of care has a major flaws. You know, somehow assumption that diet and exercise are totally not important in oncology care incorrect completely and I think it's really critical that there is somebody and it could be your oncologist who's very supportive of this idea helps you to to take care of it you know because unfortunately our current evidence-based treatments often very um, toxic you know and 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 taking care of effects of toxicity on the body is, is critical because you know if you think about this quality of life um, we know is essential for survival and, and long-term living. And, and I think sort of not ignoring them from day one from diagnosis is quite essential. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for your time today, Dr. Kogan, and for explaining all about integrative medicine and integrative treatments for patients and their families. Oh, it's my pleasure. Happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks also to listeners for being with us again. Remember, you can find out more about all types of bone marrow failure diseases on our website at aamds.org, through social media, and you can chat with your peers online at marrowforums.org. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.